I'm Meg Dahl, your unbreakable host. Welcome to the show. And welcome back to another episode of the Unbreakable You podcast. I am so happy to have you here with me this week. Thank you for joining me again. I know for the past few episodes, it's been solo episodes, so it's just been me. But we are back to kind of usual programming now. I have a guest joining us this week, so I'm super excited to welcome one of my very close friends, Kelly Hart Davis, to the show. I've been really great online friends with Kelly for a long time now, and she is a online personal trainer And I just love her message around fitness and moving your body. So you are going to love today's episode. Honestly, we talk about like shame and just like the whole mindset bit around moving your body. And Kelly also shares her personal experience with body image and self-confidence and all of that good stuff that I've been talking about a lot lately. Actually, just yesterday on Instagram, I posted about how self-confidence and loving yourself is not reliant on external factors, but it's actually an inside job. And I also talked about this in detail in my newsletter that went out on Monday. So if you're not on my newsletter yet, I definitely recommend jumping on. A new newsletter goes out every Monday and I just share what's on my heart. So I really love that community that I have over on my newsletter. And if you're not on it, you can just go to bit.ly. So that's B-I-T dot L-Y slash Mondays with Meg. So I send out a Monday newsletter every week. And I just love them so much. So I thought I'd let you know. And other than that, before we roll into today's show, I just thought I'd give you a little bit of an update. I'm still in Barbados. (laughs) So the podcast, this intro might not sound as um, high quality as it does when I'm back in my office when Scott can make sure everything is running just as it needs to be. But regardless, I have my mic in hand and I'm ready to go. And yeah, I we were supposed to be back home already. And then I casually mentioned to my dad that I would love to stay another week. And I was just kind of saying that just to say it. And then before I knew it, we were staying 
for another week and a half. So that is what went down. It was a, it's a much longer story than that, to be completely honest, but we don't got time for that today. So let's roll into today's episode with Kelly. Kelly, welcome to the show. I am so happy to have you join me here today. Thank you so much, Meg. I'm really excited to be on the show with you and um, connect with your audience. Well, I have followed you on Instagram for many years now, I think, and I just absolutely love your approach to fitness and just life in general. I really love that you focus a lot on mindset, and that's something that I love talking about on the show for sure. So I'm sure you and I will chat more about mindset and how that plays a role in in your life and even how you work with clients in fitness, but why don't you introduce yourself to our listeners? Absolutely. Thank you. My name is Kelly Hart Davis and I am the founder of Fit Thrive Workouts, which is an online workout hub for women where I teach women how to move well and feel really comfortable in the gym. Um, I'm huge on building community. So many of the women that are part of my fitness community, they become friends in real life. They develop um, really strong bonds. So that's been a thrill for me in my business. I'm also the co-author of the women's book, Strong Curves, and I work as a freelance writer. Um, I've been seen in publications like Strong Magazine, Women's Health. Um, I was a writer for bodybuilding.com and Greatest for a long time. Um, so yeah, I've been in the in the fitness world online since like 2012 and just really evolved over the years. Yeah. So why don't you kind of take us back even farther and share with us how maybe you even got started into fitness and a little bit more about that evolution that did take place to where you are right now? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I was your typical athlete growing up. I never sat still. I didn't watch TV. Um, any chance that I had, I would be outside and I played sports. And then um, in college, I really started dabbling like in the gym in high school. And then in college, that was kind of my go-to. I didn't play sports in college. Um, so I got into weightlifting um, just on my own. Obviously had no idea what I was doing, just following magazine workouts and just really enjoying the process of using weights. Um, then when I got pregnant with my daughter, I was just sick all the time. So I stopped going. Um, and then when I had my son, I gained a ton of weight. And so when I could finally go back to the gym, I, I was just so uncomfortable in my own body that I didn't want to go. And I had this ideal in my head that I was being judged because I wasn't like this petite, like young fit girl anymore. You know, I gained weight and I was out of shape. Um, so I really shamed myself a lot and I projected what I thought other people's other people judged me on, um, but it was really my own judgments about myself. So when I was 28, I believe, um, I decided enough was enough. I was young. I would look at like Oxygen Magazine and they always had features of like fit moms. I'm like, okay, if they can do it, I can do it. And I just buckled down and I said, I'm just going to show up. And that was my goal. 
I had no goal. I didn't have a weight loss goal. I didn't have a strength goal. I was just like, I'm just going to show up twice a week. And eventually that snowballed into showing up multiple times a week, trying different fitness classes. Um, eventually I went back out into the gym and got on the treadmill. And then over time I started using weights again. And so that was really, um, the culmination of how I started. And I think by not having like a big lofty goal of wanting to lose 30 pounds or, um, you know, I think that really helped me move into the gym in a way that felt comfortable for me. Um, I did eventually start doing bodybuilding, um, a year later. And, um, I realized now I didn't see it then, but, um, what I realized in bodybuilding is that the only difference between the, the woman who sat on the stairs, like unhappy in her own body and the lady on stage was 25 pounds. So I started unraveling and unpacking the fact that just because you reach a weight loss goal or your body looks a certain way, doesn't mean, doesn't, it doesn't make you happy. And I love having those conversations because I always start off when a client comes to me or, you know, when somebody joins my program, you know, and they start talking about their goals and I'm like, what will change for you then? And you have to start showing up as that person now, otherwise nothing's going to change. So I didn't change my mindset. I didn't change my beliefs about myself. I didn't love my body anymore. It was just smaller and fitter. Um, so that was sort of the beginning. Um, I started a blog online, motherfitness.com. That was my first blog. It gave me a lot of exposure to big names in the industry. And back then it was like, it, things were different. Like you had blog roles and, and you would write comments on people's blogs and the blogger would respond. Um, so a lot of the people that were up and coming in fitness, they became like my quote unquote, like fitness friends online, yeah, right? Your online I, friends. Yeah. And then I started, um, guest posting and, uh, I worked with a trainer, Brett Contreras, who at the time, like he was up and coming, he was pretty well known on T nation. He was building out his own social platform. Um, and then he and I eventually wrote a book together, which is strong curves. We had no idea that it was going to be as big as it is. It was just like a PDF that we were going to sell on his blog. And we got picked up by a publisher. And that was really like my entry as a fitness professional is he was studying to get his PhD in biomechanics. Um, and he was just sending me all this dense literature. I was writing the book and I was having to figure out like, how do you take this dense um, scientific literature and make it relatable to the everyday woman? And he sort of said to me, you know, you're really good at this. You should probably like become a trainer. And I was like, Okay. So I was, I was the, I did everything backwards, right? I wrote the book and then I became the trainer, but I launched my first business online in, um, 2013. Wow. And that sort of evolved since then. Yeah. Wow. Right. When you started talking about the book, I got shivers because I think that's such a cool story, even though I know all about your book and it's yeah. a great book. So thank you so much for sharing that with us. And I do have a few questions about some of the things that you just shared about your journey and the evolution. Mm -hmm. And one of them is... I guess this is more of a statement than a question, but hopefully we can elaborate on it a little bit more for everyone mm -hmm. listening. And that's the fact that you went into the gym 
without a goal to like change yourself in any sort of way and that's actually something that I personally have been talking a lot about on my email um my newsletter Instagram and I wrote a blog post about it but there's so much fixation on these goals and we tend to create these goals that are about changing ourselves in one way or another, right? And I just love the fact that even though you weren't comfortable in your body at the time, and there was likely, um, you know, some desire for change, you didn't create a goal about changing yourself. You created a goal about just showing up. And I think that's so inspiring for so many women. Yeah. And I think at the time, in part, it was because I didn't really know what I wanted. Um, I didn't know what I wanted to look like. I didn't know what the outcome should be. I just knew that I was, I had grown so uncomfortable in my own skin and I didn't really like myself. And I knew I was young. I was, you know, 27, 28 years old. Um, a young mom. I, I was a career, um, teacher. I was teaching English and I just felt old. And I was like, this is not what it's supposed to be like. And I'm the only one that can affect the change to make all this unhappiness and pain and discomfort go away. But I had no idea what it was supposed to look like. And I, like reflectively, um, I, I think it was really brilliant the way that I did it. I didn't notice the brilliance in what I was doing, but I feel like because I had sort of that small jumping off point of like, just get your butt in gear and show up, whatever that looks like right now, just show up. Um, it allowed me to sort of evolve and create this idea of fitness that is really all about movements. Um, obviously it didn't look that way for a long, long time. I mean, especially when I got into bodybuilding, it became all about the aesthetics and it was just uh, like, it's such a wild process to become a bodybuilder, but, um, I feel like so many people don't, they lose motivation um, and they don't stick with things because they think everything has to happen in a vacuum and they think it has to look a certain way and they chase other people's goals. And the biggest thing about motivation is that it has to be your own driver. You can't take something that drives somebody else and make it work for you if it's not like an internal driver for you, mm -hmm. you know? So in that, like... Some women I work with, I'm, I'm all about positivity. It's just my, my character and my personality. But some women I work with, they're, they're really driven. Um, I hate the word shame, but that's the only word I can think of. But more of like a negative shame-based type coaching, like a Jillian Michaels, where she's in your face. You know, um, Some people are really driven by that. So I don't see, there's no one way to do things, but you really have to go based on your internal drivers. And for me, my internal driver is just um, making that commitment to be there and not like mapping out the entire process of what it's supposed to look like. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes so much sense. And I'm definitely driven by people that like love on me for sure. I don't yeah. respond to that hardcore Jillian Michaels style. So, yeah. 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 And I, I can't coach that way. So I, if I get clients that are like, yeah, I just need you, you know, to be in my face and to call me out on my stuff. I'm, I'm good at calling people out on their stuff. 
um, but in a profound way, not in like a negative, like you dropped the ball, you're not doing what I told you, you're out of compliance. Like I'm not that type. Um, but some people like they need that. Um, but you really have to take a look at, at what you're most responsive to and just sort of figure out step by step, like what is going to keep me motivated year after year? What is my purpose and my intent of doing this? Mm-hmm. And it might change and evolve. And you really have to sort of self-evaluate and reflect that. Um, you know, just like in the beginning, I just wanted to show up and then I got super into bodybuilding. And then I realized like after a few years, bodybuilding no longer suited me and I didn't love it anymore. So I stepped away from it. And then I got into powerlifting, which I loved, but it was too hard on my body. So I stepped away from it. And it's just a matter of being okay that um, it's not about exercise, which is a chore, right? Exercise is like an invention that we came up with because the more sedentary we get, the more like chores we have to create for ourselves, but it really is about movement. And when you take exercise out of the equation and you realize that movement is essential, um, then you can look at it, you know, from a 30,000 foot view and realize it's, it can look different all the time and that's perfectly okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I really do love seeing exercise less than exercise and just more as movement. Mm -hmm. And I know that mindset shifts helps a lot of the women that I work with too, right? Mm -hmm. Instead of feeling like they need to exercise, simply focus on just moving your body. Absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. And it might look different every day. Um, You might get into a routine that feels really good and then that routine might not work for you anymore, but it's just a matter. I like to consider, um, you know, habit building as the idea of putting placeholders in your life, right? So, so if you start dropping placeholders to where you're developing movement habits, like maybe maybe you're new to this, right? You're, you're actually just trying to start moving in general. So that habit might be every day after dinner, I'm going to go for a 15-minute walk with my spouse or my dog or whatever. And then you get into that habit and you're, you're like, this feels really good. So I'm going to take two of those days and go to a yoga class at the studio down, down the streets, right? And so you, you're just putting all these little placeholders. And then if life gets busy and you can no longer do yoga or do a strength workout or whatever it is because you're busy, or maybe your hour-long yoga session is now a 30-minute session, at least you still have those placeholders in, in those little pockets of time that you carve out where that habit happens. Yeah. Um, but I just think everyone is so fixated on having, you know, well, I have to work out an hour a day or it doesn't count. I have to do this specific type of exercise or it doesn't count. I have to do cardio and weights. I have to do yoga and, um, you know, Pilates. Otherwise it's just, there's no point, which isn't true. Mm-hmm. It's far more detrimental to your health to not move at all than to, to move in a different way, if that makes sense. Oh yeah, for sure. So what would, I'm curious, what are some of your personal like placeholders that just encourage movement in your everyday life that just kind of help you out? Yeah, well, I'm kind of, um, I, I don't like to call myself a gym rat or a gym junkie. Um, it's just part of who I am. So I go to the gym every single day and typically I'll go like after I get my kids from school and they're settling down and before dinner. 
just because that's a good pocket of time. Like they, they need to decompress. So at that moment, they just want to kind of do their own thing. They don't need me. And then after I'll come home, cook dinner, we'll have dinner, do homework. And like the evening will be our time. But I just really place so much value on, um, the fact that I, it's an honor for me to be able to go to a gym. Um, you know, it's, it's, I feel like it's my place just to, I, I blast my headphones. I, people probably think I'm the the rudest person because I'm literally in my own zone, but it's just a place for me to explore my body, um, see what's going to work for me that day. And just to get out of my own head. And it's kind of funny because I'll just be in the zone and then somebody will come up and say something to me and I'll pull up my, and I would just be like super happy, like, Hey, how's it going? But usually I'm just like super zoned out and everyone probably thinks I'm terrifying. Um, but yeah, so right now in this moment, like going to the gym, I probably go, sometimes I'll go seven days a week. Sometimes I'll go five, not because I'm obsessive, not because I feel like I have to, but it's almost like this magnetic draw in my life right now that, that it feels really good to me. Um, other times, you know, especially in the summer when I can get outdoors more often, I'll spend a lot of time hiking and kayaking and rowing and just exploring the outdoors and less time in the gym. Um, but typically like my gym placeholders are definitely that like late afternoon slot. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, it, once you start getting in the habit and I'm sure you see this as well, it's just, it flows in your day. And I'd like to tell women to treat your workouts like it's an appointment, you know, like you and I had an appointment on our calendar that we were going to talk at a specific time on a specific day. Um, and we both valued that time and we both showed up, right? So you should treat your exercise like an appointment with yourself and you put it on your calendar, whatever it is, and everything else in your life moves around that. You don't start pushing off exercise and putting it on the back burner because you're making, you're prioritizing everything else. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a huge, um, factor for a lot of women is when they lose motivation is because they're always putting their own needs on the back burner, mm-hmm. but you really need to treat your body. Like, like, um, you need to value it as much as you value your profession or your family or other obligations and priority in your life, probably more so because the less healthy you are, the less you function well in everyday life. And I know you have these conversations all the time. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I fully agree with what you said. And thank you so much for sharing that. One thing that I do want to kind of like go back on, you mentioned this quite a while ago, but it's still on my mind. And I would love for you to go into this a little bit more because I know this is something that so many of us women tend to do. It's assume things that people are thinking about us when it's actually just us making up this story. So similar to after you had your son and you said you were uncomfortable in your body and you felt as though everyone was judging you if you were to go to the gym. But then later on, you realized that it was you making up those assumptions. So can you talk a little bit more about this? Because I think this is something that many women deal with. And I know for me personally, I definitely have in the past Mm -hmm. assuming things about people thinking things about me, totally Mm -hmm. guilty for that, for sure. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I always like to preface this that um, so many people feel like only people with specific bodies should feel shame about their body, but shame um, is so deeply entrenched in us and it could, we could carry shame for so many different reasons, whether it's something that we heard or witnessed, whether it's trauma that we experience. Um, you know, we all have layers of shame for different reasons. So it, it doesn't matter how fit and in shape you are. It doesn't matter, you know, your body size, your type, your structure, everyone, their shame looks different. And I always feel like we should honor that. Um, so, you know, it's, it's interesting when people express, I have this shame about my body and other people kind of brush it off, you know, like, Oh no, 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 you're perfect. Or, Oh, I, I never saw that about you or whatever, which I understand you're trying to sort of say, Oh no, there's nothing wrong with you. But I think it's just the ability to hear someone's shame and, and allow them that sort of validation is super important. Um, but yeah, a lot of our shame comes from our own judgments about um, who we are and it can come from so many different places and and some people can pinpoint it and other people have no idea I've had women they're like oh I had the most wonderful upbringing my parents were amazing and supportive but I have just the worst body image issues and so it's, it's never like I had a bad childhood or you know I was sexually assaulted or I was called fat when I was little it's it's never like always that story it could be any story um but it's, it's just a matter of the fact that you're creating these stories in your head about yourself because at one point they were a protective mechanism. Mm -hmm. So any type of shame, any beliefs that we have about ourselves at one point served us. They protected us from something that was, whether it was a trauma, it was, it was um, a mechanism we needed inside of ourselves as protection. So you always have to reevaluate if you're feeling shame, discomfort, fear of being judged, just sort of internally look and, and honor that and thank that feeling that you're having, but also look and see if it's still serving you. And also think about how different your life would look if you no longer carried that feeling in yourself. So perhaps you're a woman that like the word a uh, beach party or pool day just like makes you want to throw up because the thought of being in a bathing suit in front of other other people just totally freaks you out, right? But then you have to evaluate, well, what am I missing out on in life because I have this feeling about myself? And is this feeling still valid? You know, am I missing going down the slide with my son? Am I missing catching the waves with, you know, my boyfriend or whatever it is? What am I missing out on in life that could truly provide me value because of this fear of being judged? Mm -hmm. And obviously judgment is internal, but I always like to sort of reframe it. The fact that we're all super busy, stuck inside of our own heads and, you know, like we're too busy to judge other people. So it's more or less like, like nobody's paying attention to you 95% of the time, right? right? So with these fears of judgment, like most people don't even know that you're in the room half the time, let alone are they thinking about what you're, what you're doing because they're always thinking about what they're doing. Um, so that's, that's a way to reframe it. And also just the fact that humans, like it's human nature to judge. It's a built-in protective mechanism that's very, very ancient. 
Um, that's how you knew in your community, like who belonged in your tribe, who you could trust, who you couldn't trust. It was gossip. It was judgment. Like that's just part of being human. Um, but the only value that judgment and other people's words have are the ones that you attach to them. So you're, you are actually attaching meaning to it and you, you can take away that meaning as well. Yeah. And it's funny what you say about judgment is that so the majority of the time people actually aren't judging us. But Mm. for that small percentage of people that maybe are casting judgments about other people, it has more to do with them than it does with us. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's them like kind of fighting something internally for sure. Absolutely. It's their own shame and they're casting their shame out of themselves onto you because it's, yeah, it's absolutely some sort of internal battle that they're having, you know, that's um, a pain that they're carrying around that they aren't dealing with. So it's a matter of how you want to deal with that yourself. You know, what meaning are you going to attach to somebody else's word? Because nothing has value until you attach meaning to it. And also, I just want to point out that I really loved what you said about validating someone that feels a certain way. I think so many of us, and I did recently read something on Instagram about even how if we have like a family member that might pass away or something, and the friend of ours is really sad about it, we're always trying to, or we feel as though we need to like minimize what they're feeling. You know, it's okay. Mm -hmm. You're going to be okay. Rather than just simply validating the person's feelings when really that's what they need. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, so I think that's why we feel so alone in our shame. Um, that's why it's, it's hard to move out of it is because when we minimize somebody's feelings, um, they just recoil. It doesn't make it go away. It doesn't make it better. It makes them express themselves less and it makes them feel smaller and it makes them feel, um, you know, like, like their feelings don't have meaning. So that, that becomes super crucial in conversations about, um, body shame, body acceptance, because if you're minimizing, you know, something that somebody doesn't like about themselves, then they're just not going to talk about it anymore. And they're going to internalize it. It's going to fester inside um, versus allowing them to just sort of let it out. You know, so, so much of us carry shame that we never talk about. So it's for us to voice things that we don't like about myself or ourselves. Um, that's a very hard thing to do. And, you know, whether it's self-deprecating talk, whether it's like a confession, um, you know, it's just sort of honoring that and, and standing with that person and allowing them to be in that space. Um, you know, and also it, I feel like it's a, it's a fine line to walk, right? Because you do want other people to see their own beauty. Mm-hmm. And I, I think we're better at seeing other people's beauty than they are. But you, you don't want to be like, oh, stop it. You're perfect. Or, exactly. oh, stop it. You're beautiful just the way you are. Um, so it, it is a fine line, you it know, is. just yeah. to love and respect someone's where they're at, but also show them like they're the beauty that you see in them. Yeah. Yeah. So as a personal trainer who loves working with women and is very aware of body image issues and shame, how do you approach that? 
with your clients? Yeah, um, I I really like to show people that that many of us have the same struggles. And many of us have the same body issues. It's just a matter of we've been conditioned for years and years and years to think that this specific ideal of a body is what we have to be. Otherwise, we're not good or we're not good enough. And I mean, it's years like our mothers, our grandmothers, our great grandmothers have all been taught these things about the human body. And then as we were kids growing up, we never saw quote unquote, imperfections on magazines or on television. Um, You know, it's like the only bodies we saw that were uncovered on television were like pristine, perfect, quote unquote, flawless bodies, right? So then we're just conditioned to think that there's always something wrong with us. But I mean, things like cellulite, belly rolls, uh, breast sagging, you know, little fat pockets on the back of your triceps, folds under your butt, like all of us have it, you know, like yeah. even if we're super fit at on some level, no matter how lean or fit you are, we all have that stuff. It's not, it's part of being human. It, and it's like, we're never exposed to these things. So we're made to think there's something wrong with us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I know something that I often like bringing up and something that I think should definitely change and I don't know, maybe me talking about this is a kick in the butt for me to go out and make some changes in the way things are done in the world. But something that I remember about elementary school is we would always have these presentations And I mean, they had great intention, but the presentations really like focused on um, airbrushing and all of the different things that are done to models in magazines, right? And it was, it was like the big focus there was that this isn't real and just telling us that these models we see in magazines aren't real. But then they didn't show us what was actually real, like you're saying, you know, the cellulite, the belly rolls, things like that. We were never exposed to what is actually what a woman's body is supposed to look like, really. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, And, you know, like I don't, my mother was always very modest. So, you know, I didn't really, she, she was a very private person. So that wasn't ever a thing where, like we walked around the house in our underwear or, you know, it's just, um, I don't know, but as kids, like we go to the beach, we go to the pool, we see, we see normal bodies all the time, but we're never taught that that's normal, right? We're never taught that that's, that's beautiful because that's not what's um, in the media. That's not, you know, what the celebrities are doing. Um, I think we're doing a much better job at it now. Uh, we're sort of peeling back the layers and, unfiltering a lot. Um, but that doesn't take away years and years of shame that we've carried around. Um, so yeah, I think it's just a matter of personal freedom that you have to develop for yourself and, uh, go at your own pace at it. You know, for some people it's, it's much more difficult. It's an evolutionary process. Um, I've been doing this, I'm 39 now, so it's been 11, 12 years since I started on my fitness venture and, you know, it's just in the past two or three years is when I've really gotten comfortable with um, just loving my body for what it is and what it's capable of doing. Mm-hmm. 
but that's not easy for everyone. And it, it's a, it's a process. Um, making the shift of less focus on what your body is and more focus on what your body can do. Um, you know, that's a conversation that I love having, but talking about it and implementing it are two totally different things. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, so I know you went from a place of not feeling comfortable in your body. You did a fitness show to like a bodybuilding show. And you even mentioned before you were smaller, leaner, um, you weighed less, obviously, but you didn't love yourself anymore or any less at that time. Like nothing changed other than your appearance. But obviously things have changed for you since then. And yeah. you are definitely comfortable and a more confident woman today. So above and beyond like focusing simply on what your body can do versus what it looks like, are there any other big tools that have really helped you over the years to get to where you are today? Um, yeah, obviously, you know, it's, it's been quite a process, quite a journey. Um, but I think the biggest thing for me is like this process that I love to call letting go and letting in and just slowly over time, letting go of the thoughts and the beliefs and the feelings about myself that no longer serve me and letting in new thoughts and beliefs and feelings about myself. Um, and, you know, stress plays such an important factor on how our body responds to movements. So the more stress we create around what we think our body should look like, how, you know, why is my body responding? Why can so-and-so eat chocolate cake? And I look at chocolate cake and I gain five pounds, like just these constant rolling, evolving thoughts in our head um, about our body actually inhibits our body from responding to movement and exercise simply because we're always in that fight, flight, or freeze response. Um, so some of the biggest changes that I made that really changed my body tremendously in like the last year, year and a half is, um, I started meditating a lot more. I started just really practicing mindfulness and really started letting go, um, of the stress that I was creating around my body. And I feel like, you know, there's, there's very brief moments in our day where we can experience pleasure and not experience stress, right? Because we, we all have jobs. We like our lives are just full of stress, whether it's jobs, family, you know, keeping a roof over our head, providing, um, food for, you know, the table, whatever it is. There's, I feel like there's three things in our life that are pleasurable, which is movement, food, and relationships, whether, you know, romantic, family, friendship. Um, but we create so much stress around those three things. And it's like, if the three things in our life that are supposed to be pleasurable become a stress mechanism in our lives, then when is it, do we actually find pleasure? Um, so just having that sort of aha moment of self-discovery, realizing like we have very little time in our lives to enjoy just moments of time. And why am I robbing myself of that by being stressed out about fitness or food or, you know, like, am I doing everything right in my friendships and do, am I treating my family the way they want to be treated? Just, you know, it's like letting go of all those thoughts and just yeah. being happy with, with uh, the process of those three things. Right, right. I love that letting go and letting in. That's amazing. 
Thank and you. I also love that you're meditating. I The episode from last week, actually, we were chatting about meditating and how it can help you so much with your relationship with food, but also, Absolutely. like you said, with your body image, it seems like it's helped yeah. you. Absolutely. Just quieting the mind. That's so, so important. It's um, our mind is like constantly in this chatter mode and meditation allows to turn off the noise. And, you know, as humans, we're blessed with the fact that we have this very intricate nervous system and our brain is like brain science is so, so new. They, they hardly know anything about it. And, you know, it's like the fact that, um, where these thinking humans, you know, that's a beautiful thing, but we're also the only creature on the planet that can create stress with our thoughts. And we can go, you know, we can just get into like this panic anxiety state simply by having thoughts in our head, creating like worst case scenarios, creating what if scenarios, um, you know, like what if, what if I enjoy my birthday and I have wine and cake, what's going to happen to my body? What if I decide to take the day off the gym? What's going to happen? You know, just all these scenarios that we create in our head is creating stress in our body. Um, and we're the only creatures on the planet that do that, right? So we, we put ourselves in the flight, fight, flight, or freeze mode just by thinking about something. So meditation allows you to turn off those thoughts and really get centered in yourself and really refocus on what you want your life to look like so that you can start building the life that you want versus being stuck in this, this constant mental state of what-if scenarios. I love that so much. And I really love that I keep hearing about meditation from such a wide variety of women. So mm -hmm. I really do hope that it encourages our listeners to start the practice themselves if they're not currently doing it. Yeah. Um, I know we are approaching the end of today's episode, but I'm curious, what does your meditation practice look like? I know some women love guided meditation. Some mm -hmm. just take maybe five to 10 minutes and just lie there. I would love to know what yours looks like. Yeah. Um, well, just like fitness, my meditation kind of has placeholders in my day. So it can look different um, depending on my schedule and where I am in my mental space. So the thing with meditation is it doesn't have to look a certain way. Um, and if you're new to it and you're like type A, like alpha, go, go, go all the time, it's going to be really difficult. And it's just a matter of, okay, did I still my mind for 30 seconds? Awesome. And then it's like a minute and then you know, it's, it's just allowing thoughts to pass in and out, but recognizing them. Um, so it doesn't have to be like, oh my gosh, I have to sit still and do nothing for 20 minutes. It's so lame. But, um, you know, it's a matter of building up to that process. But so right now my meditation is usually like afternoon before I get my kids to where, um, cause I'm a creative person. So as soon as I wake up, like, I just like, I have to go and get all my stuff done. Um, because, by the, by the afternoon, like my creativity burns out. Um, so right now I'm doing um, probably about 30 to, to 45 minutes in the afternoon um, just with um, music. Like I always have to have something. Um, 
Other times I'll do a guided meditation. So I love meditations that are sort of theme-based. So maybe like this week, I want to focus on abundance. Next week, I want to focus on letting go, forgiveness, love, whatever it is. Um, so some of those guided meditations that really have like a, they're purpose-driven, I really enjoy. Um, but I always create pockets in my day. And you know, if I can't turn my brain off, I don't sit there and force it. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing about meditation is if you schedule 10 minutes and three minutes in, like you just want to jump out of your seat, then like honor that and get up and go and say, all right, today's not my day. Um, but I always have pockets and usually it's like three minutes up to an hour. Um, depending on what my brain wants to do that day. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And it's so interesting just hearing you chat about first fitness and then meditation. And you can see how the two are so similar, right? You just have yeah. to listen to your body and also prioritize each of them and treat them just like an appointment, like you said. Yeah. Yeah. And there's no disconnect between the mind and body. They're, they're interrelated and you have to nourish one just as equally as you nourish the other one. Um, and I think as, as like our lifestyle gets more and more sedentary, we are really good at disconnecting from our minds because, or disconnecting our body from our minds because we're seated all day. Right. And many of us have jobs now that don't require any physicality to it. So, you know, just um, meditation and movement, whatever that looks like for you is really a great way to make sure that you maintain that mind body connection. And, you know, like that you have awareness about your body, which is so important. I think people become really complacent and almost numb about their bodies until it's too late and, or not too late, but until it's like, like an emergency, like either you're sick, you're injured, or like, oh my God, none of my clothes fit me, or, oh, I just got winded going up the stairs. It's like, you have to have an alarm go off in your body for you to have an awareness of that, but it should be like a daily awareness of your body and, and, you know, mental rest, which is meditation and physical movement are the best ways to sort of tap into that awareness. Mm -hmm. And that's another great mindset shift or approach to movement, exercise, fitness is just simply like wanting to take care of your body now versus mm -hmm. waiting until something to happens. And then you're like, okay, now I need to start exercising. Yeah. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And we get, you know, one body and the only certain thing, this is so morbid, but really the only certain things that we know about our body is that it's born and that it dies. Mm -hmm. And we have to make choice that we have to get up and make choices every single day of our lives to decide what's going to happen in that interim. You know, those are choices that we have to make. And by having that mindfulness about our bodies, it makes those choices so much easier. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I love that so much. And I could keep chatting with you forever. I, I, just I could talk forever. <laughs> we love each other. Yes. Um, so one more question for you, sweetheart, is what does it mean to you to be unbreakable? Oh, I love this question. Um, I really think um, unbreakability is, my puppy's going to start barking. They're mowing the lawn. <laughs> unbreakability <laughs> is um, sort of like staying centered in who you are um, and, and, and honoring wherever you're at at the time. So I feel like, um, we, we 
almost have become like this stoic sort of driven, like stuck in almost a masculine energy all the time, where we're hustle, hustle, hustle all the time. And um, if, if there's any moment of fragility in our lives and we feel like we're failing, but I think we really, um, to be unbreakable is to honor that entire spectrum of emotion and to be okay with where you're at at that moment and to be able to just come back and be centered in who you are. Um, that's just super important. There's always sort of that, that, um, that, that place that you can bring yourself back to no matter what. So we're not always going to be happy. Um, you know, we're going to experience sadness. We're going to experience frustration, but if you can sort of maintain that middle ground and, and bring yourself back to center, I think, um, that's a way to stay unbreakable. I love that so much. Thank you so much for joining me today. Where can everyone find you and even take part in your programs, your training, because you know I love them so much. Yeah. yeah so my website is Fit Thrive Workouts. I'm on Instagram at Kelly Davis Fit. I'm hit or miss on there. I go through like spurts where I'm like content crazy and then I go quiet. Um, <laughs> and same thing on Facebook. Uh, you can find me at Fit Thrive or Kelly Hart Davis on Facebook. Um, same thing. But my email list is really the best way to get like fresh and relevant content. And you put out great emails. So I will, oh, thank you. <laughs> I will link all of that stuff up in the show notes. Thank you so much for joining yeah. us today. Thank you, Meg. It's been a pleasure. And thank you for sharing your audience with me. 